When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you have championship DNA, then you know it's time to chase wins. We're uh, chasing wins this year. This is Chasing Wins. Hello and welcome back to the Chasing Wins podcast. I'm your host, Andre, uh, here with my guy, Jin. Um, Make sure to download the Odyssey app and turn on the auto-download feature to get all the episodes as soon as they drop. Thank you guys for listening. Um, so Jim, obviously, you know, since we last spoke, uh, not too much has happened necessarily, but we do have summer league and that's kind of been the story, um, of the Warriors. And there's a bunch of, you know, there's a few players that have really caught my eye and, and, um, intrigued me in terms of what they can do now and for the future, uh, looking at particularly, uh, Lester Quinones and then uh, Brandon Pods, uh, Pajemski, and so those two in particular, and then obviously uh, Trace Jackson Davis is might make his debut tonight. But what have you made? Uh, uh, if you've watched those games, what have you made out of um, Lester and 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 Brandon in terms of like what they're able to do and uh, how they can help contribute this year and beyond? Hmm, that's. Interesting that you mentioned Lester because I mean, he's a summer league guy, he was kind of on the roster, but not really last year. And so, it seems like a lot of people are into the idea of him uh, being on the roster. Maybe he will be, I'm not sure, but he's not somebody that I've, I've, you know, he's not really necessarily on my radar. He's like, he's skillful offensively but obviously the warriors like their depth depth chart like how are they going to use him i don't really see a path where he's unless they're really down on bodies or something like that i'm I'm not sure i see a role for him um i mean he's efficient and he's he's a he's a good scorer in the you know the summer leagues the g leagues and these things but I'm just not quite sure where you see a path for him to be on the roster. You know what I'm saying? No, like, 100%. Do you? you think I, – I, part of me feels like we should have used that third, like, that third string spot instead of Corey Joseph. Maybe we could have given it to to Lester because – I mean, I, I know Kojo is like a veteran point guard. He's been in the league for a decade plus, but, like – I feel like Lester's talented enough at this point to where, you know, you could have him out there for stretches. I mean, you look at the 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 pattern that Steve has, you know, implemented of like Chris Chioza, Brad Wanamaker, um, you know, last year, kind of just Ty Jerome, like these guards who he can, you know, they can fill in and be solid for like stretches. Uh, well, some of them at least, but. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like Lester could have filled those gaps. And so part of me feels like we kind of, you know, maybe missed on one because 
I don't know how much better Corey Joseph is than than Lester. I don't think it's by much. If so I'm is. gonna I'm gonna okay. So I'm gonna try to say it this way. First of all, I see he's a relatively young guy. Mm-hmm. Did he get when did he get drafted? Did he get drafted last year? Uh, oh, he didn't get drafted. Yeah, I think he was on a two way. He was on a two way. Yeah, and he was in the G League last year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so here's the thing. He's six four. He looks like a shooting guard. He looks like he's definitely not a point guard. With that, do you think that's accurate too? That's fair. He can he can bring the ball up, but yeah, he's more of a scorer. So yeah, I'm looking at his G League stats. His G League stats are pretty good in terms of just offensively. It's and he's not, a good defender. He's a really good great. defender. Yeah, I yeah. saw I saw some of his defense. Like he he did a, some POA. Um, it's it's hard to judge it too much just because it's summer league. You're playing 100%. against a bunch of you know yeah. one year like you know first first year guys that just that haven't even been in the league yet. So let's see. He had uh, four point six assists and three point four turnovers. That is a bad assist to turnover ratio. If you're talking about a backup point guard, that's supposed to give your team some stability. Um, so if you want him, if you want a backup third string point guard. He's not it. He's a scorer. He's not a, you know, he's not a ball handler. He's not somebody who um, is going to, you know, control the off, uh, control the office in the sense of setting up the offense. He's more of a scorer himself. Right. So if you're talking about it from a standpoint of was he usable last year, I mean, that's tough. You're basically, he's basically the G league version of Jordan Poole. We don't know. We don't know how he would have played, um, and if he were to play well, were you going to give him that role over Jordan Poole? Like, I just don't see how that's a realistic case, right? Um, no, you're right. Let me ask you this, because um, those are fair points. What do you think about Brandon? Because I feel like if you, watching him, he fits more of a mold of like a playmaker. Like, even though he, he shot the ball pretty well, like he shot 50% from the field over the two games, 33% from three. Um, and so that's like, whatever. As a scorer, he's been decent. But like, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is his activity on defense and his playmaking overall. And watching him play, he just does so many intangible things. Like his rebounding numbers are pretty off the charts for a guard. Um so I don't know, like as a playmaker, I think he he shows a lot of promise. I think, yeah, like Lester's, you're right. He's more of like a like a scorer. He's more of like a two guard, put, you know, put the ball on the floor, try to get his own and set rather than like setting others up and getting them going. Although he can do a little bit, but I think uh, Brandon kind of fits that mold of like a third string point guard a little bit better, like you said, just um, from a playmaking and like setting the table up standpoint. You mean so, like, Pajim- you- Pajemski or? Yeah, Pajemski, Pajemski. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I am going to say that Corey Joseph is a good third string backup. I think on a different team, he could be a second string point guard. I think that's what he's been. Um, in a lot of the years that he's been in the league, not a third string where he gets no role whatsoever. He's just willing to take that role on with the Warriors in particular. Um, so, 
so yeah, I, I just I expect solid play if he does play. You know, when Corey Joseph en- enters the floor, he's not like a Wanamaker, some guy from overseas. You know who. Sh- was okay for one year and then he came to the Warriors and he was just like not an NBA player, not not a Steve Kerr um system kind of player. I mean, he was horrendous with the Warriors. He shot like what did he shoot? He shot like 35% or something preposterously bad. Mm-hmm. Um Chioza, I mean that, that's a that's a G League yeah. player right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe he was really good with the G League, but you know, on, a, on an NBA team, he was he's pretty bad. So again, I don't know if that's more just the product of Steve Kerr's, you know, poor usage of a player because I think he was recommended by Kenny Atkinson. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not actually, but he was a Kenny Atkinson player with the Nets, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was, he was. He did play better with the Nets than he did with the Warriors. It seems like a lot of role players go to the Warriors and they kind of lose themselves a little bit. They don't know how to make themselves useful with, the, you know, being off the ball and all these things. And they just can't right. get into a rhythm. That's a lot of players. So some of them come to the Warriors and look worse than they actually are. Like Brad Wanamaker was not that bad with the Celtics. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, he was much better. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, this it's is a tough call. As far as Brandon goes, he reminds me a lot of maybe young clay a little bit in mm-hmm. a way i think from a college standpoint his stats are a little bit better than clay's was uh, especially from the three-point line clay was actually you know he was like let me take a quick look his college years he was like yeah 36 percent in his second year and then it jumped to like 40 percent in his third year Right, but uh, Brandon obviously coming out of uh, his second year in college, he shot forty four percent. So that is a right. Oh yeah, I'm curious. I'm really curious to see how that translates into the NBA because some guys they shoot amazingly in college. It doesn't necessarily always translate to the NBA. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I so you saw both uh, the summer league games, right? Yeah, yeah, so, I watched both of them pretty closely. Like, what were your What were your thoughts on? I know you like Brandon just just from a glance, but um, yeah, yeah. Tell me Lester is like Lester. I can envision him in maybe two two years as being like a legit rotation piece, um, because I think he's young enough, but he's also like skilled enough at this point to where he's on a path where I do feel like he can contribute. He looks out of place in summer league. Like, you know how Keegan Murray, he's playing and he's like, he looks out of place. It's like, he's just too good for the competition around him. Yeah, he's confident. Lester is just, I feel like he's right. He's not, he's not as good as Keegan, obviously, but he's in that same mental, like um, mental, like kind of space where like he, it just feels like nobody can kind of match him. He just, it feels like he's just playing like a man amongst boys. Like, He's just kind of out there, and and he's just dominating. Um, I think he's averaging like t- around twenty four points on like fifty four fifty splits or something. Like he's just he just doesn't see anyone in front of him. He's just getting shots off. He looks poised out there, composed. He's he's just he looks by far like our best player. Um, and I think he in the G League he had tremendous success as well. 
So this is nothing new. This isn't anything surprising. And I just think the level of comfort and the level of um, just his ability to just put the ball on the floor, get to his spots, get to the rim, uh, shoot the ball for on the perimeter. Like his shooting is just incredible. Like he just, it just nothing, no shot phases him. He can just step in and knock shots down. Um, and he's very confident out there. And then defensively, he's like the biggest um, encouraging, you know, aspect because if he was just a scorer and he couldn't really defend, like it would be kind of cool, like a novelty player that you could put out there and see what he can do and, you know, be like a microwave scorer. But like the fact that he can be a positive defender is so encouraging because um, I was watching him and he was sliding his feet, point of attack, doesn't really gamble that much, um, really disciplined, really committed to that end. Um, he takes defense seriously. Like I just think those are very promising indications that he's going to be a really good player, whether it's with us or another team. But I think we should probably look to give him a chance down the road at some point because I think some players, even though they're young, some players can still contribute even as young as they are. So you just got to put them in the right spots. Um, look at Moses Moody, right? Even though he hasn't you know, necessarily had the easiest path and easiest road and it's been rocky at times, even in the playoffs, he's been pleasantly surprising, like his ability to just step in and be a positive. So I think I could see similar, similar results for uh, Lester. And then with Pods, Obviously, Pods hasn't played an NBA game yet. Like, we still got to wait to see how he looks. And he has his weaknesses. Like, um, he struggles maybe a little bit with some shot creation stuff. And defensively, it's a work in progress. But one thing's for sure is that he's committed and he puts effort into defense. He doesn't, like, take defensive possessions off. He takes that end very seriously. Um, he slides his feet as best he can. He stays in front of his man. His help defense is actually pretty good. Like he's a pretty aware help defender. Um, on the ball might be slightly of a weakness, but it's more so of a size and strength thing, which I think he could work on as his career goes on. But I like his tools and I like the fact that he's aggressive as a rebounder. Like he chases rebounds, like off of misses, he'll be underneath the basket, boxing out or being active his activity, he had like a handful of deflections um, against opponents, like just really active, trying to, you know, um, be disruptive. And I think these are like traits of like a positive impact player. And then the shooting is just obviously speaks for itself. In summer league, he's only shot 33% from three, very low volume. But like, to me, those numbers, like just the shooting doesn't even define the potential that he can have as a player because to me, the, the intangibles and the extra stuff, the rebounding, the activity on defense, the the playmaking, like I haven't even gotten to that yet. So like the shooting and, and that stuff is going to come and go, as we all know in the NBA. But the playmaking stuff, like I think he had one assist last game, but he easily could have had eight or nine, like so easily. It's like these these guys around him just can't finish, finish these plays or like they're missing open shots. They're, they're bobbling you know, the ball, just losing it, like, but if he was playing against or playing with uh, some good talent, he'd easily average seven, eight assists a night because his playmaking is so high level. He's just finding guys in the corner. He understands rotations. He can find dump offs, no looks like his court awareness and his vision is actually super high level. And he's only 20 years old. 
And to me, that's probably the most um, encouraging thing is because he can his playmaking and his ability to find advantages and create advantages for his teammates is something I didn't expect. And that's a very valuable skill for the for NBA players because when your shot isn't falling, right, can you do something offensively that creates and puts the defense in rotation, puts them at a disadvantage? And Pods has been like his playmaking, man. I, It's just like downhill, just making the right reads, connective stuff. Like he doesn't make mistakes out there. So I think what I'm going to continue to look for is like, his development as a scorer and a playmaker. And also, even as a scorer, his aggression, the ability to put the ball on the floor and make stuff happen, his floater game, uh, getting to the rim. He just is so versatile offensively. And then he's so committed on on the other end and doing the intangibles that I think that'll figure itself out. So I expect him to be a really good player. Uh, if not this year, next year. If not next year, the year after that. Like He'll be a good NBA player, just a matter of when. Uh, and he'll get the opportunity this year to showcase his abilities. But I think as a guard, he fills in a lot of uh, a lot of gaps and he can do a lot of things. So, you know, a lot some guards are one-trick ponies. Like some guards can just score. Some guards can just shoot. Some guards can just defend, like, like Josh Okogie, right? Like some guards are just very, you know, um, skill set oriented. They're good at only one thing. But – Pods can do many, many things. So that to me is like the biggest takeaway for me. Hmm. Okay. So, so first of all, he's going to turn 21 uh, in the midst of the, his rookie year. And he, that's essentially, he's, he's the same age, age as Kuminga, right? So this is a guy with some experience. Uh, I've always kind of tend to favor the guys who've played college basketball longer and if you played at least two years of college that kind of gives me a pretty good idea as to what this player is going to entail like what kind of player he'll be um just the more the more uh college years you have the more polished you are and that's why i want to you know hopefully davis will play tonight uh, like you said, uh, Trace is somebody that I'm really interested in seeing. Like you said, Brandon doesn't have enough guys to pass the ball to uh, to have more effective uh, to have his passes be more effective. Uh, since uh, Trace is a finisher, like we'll, hopefully we'll get to see that tonight. I'm not sure he. I think he has a hammy issue, so we might not see him again. Uh, that's you don't want him to, you know, have some lingering uh, issue like that going into next season. But though I just see a little confusion in terms of guys' roles. Like you're talking about Lester, you know, being a, a potential backup for the Warriors. Uh, and his skill sets seem kind of similar-ish to what Poole was supposed to be able to pro provide for the Warriors. So I'm guessing you see him as a backup two and not a backup one. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, it's just, I'm just, I'm having a hard time, you know, again, just because especially they picked up Corey Joseph, who's going to be playing the third stringer role. Um, Lester, I, again, unless he was going to be uh, backing up Clay, uh, I'm just, you know, he might be their 14th guy or, or the 15th guy 
um, as, as a two-way guy, maybe. But that's about as big of a role I see for him, uh, for the Warriors in particular, just because they have so much backcourt depth. Like, is Lester going to be play, uh, playing ahead of, you know, like a Moody or something? But again, like, you know, there's some uncertainty. Is Moody still going to be on the roster? Is Kuminga still going to be on the roster? So these are still question marks that I, I'm just not sure. But again, I, I've, I've been kind of saying this to you all along about Brandon is that he gives me these vibes like he could be the future shooting guard for the Warriors uh, for one reason or another. Like if things don't work out with Clay, um, yeah, that's why I was comparing Clay's college statistics to his Brandon's statistics because they're a little similar. Uh, they're they have similar attributes. Clay's a like an inch taller. Right? Uh, some people are saying that Brandon looks a little shorter than he claims. He's listed at six five. Yeah, he's probably close to like six. I think he's like close to six four ish, six three and a half kind of. Really? Let me check. Let me because I think without shoes, he's probably a little under six four. Really? Because the way they, they're doing it now, the way they're listing players now is they're listing them according to their height without shoes. That's why right. they list Steph Curry as 6'2 now instead of 6'3, which is what he was always labeled until recently when they changed that up. I don't know if you know that, but no, you're right. No, all the players true. have gone down an inch. Like Draymond used to be listed at like 6'7. I think he's listed at 6'6 now. No, you're so, right. Yeah. So, yeah, without shoes, he is about 6'3.75. So they've listed him like the way they used to, which is with yeah. shoes. So he's actually shorter. He's like probably 6'4.5 with shoes, and he's like 6'3.5 without, something like that. Damn, yeah. man. So then that means he's essentially the same as Dante. Around, yeah, around, yeah, yeah. Okay. From a, so from I a, don't... From a high, but here's what I'll say, though. He's physically, like from a from a weight standpoint, like I think he's much stronger. Like he's I was watching. Pounds. What's up? He's two hundred pounds. Yeah, like he's yeah. yeah yeah he's definitely strong. Like he he was backing down small. He can back down smaller guards. He does some Jalen Brunson stuff. Like mm-hmm. he'll like he he he's not Dante. Like I know Dante's like more of like this like wispy dude who just kind of floats around and tries to, you know, he's kind of scared of the rim. Pods isn't scared of the rim. He can use his body really, really well. He uses his body really, really well. So Yeah, yeah. So I mean and he's I'm, only going to get stronger. So Brandon's a guy who believes highly in himself, it seems. He I mean, you know, one of the first things he said was that he could be a triple double guy. So he seems to have like, you know, um a major sense of what he Almost like Tyler Hero is a type of guy who thinks he could be like a Luca type. He could be like one of these major players. Um, but yeah, as for Brandon, I'm a little disappointed that he's like 6'3-ish without shoes. Because to me, like every every inch matters, pause. Um, yeah. In the NBA, like every centimeter, like the, all these things just, they it factors into how good you can be and what potential you have. Like if, if Luca was an inch or two shorter, that would make a giant difference in what he's oh, yeah, capable sure. of. You know what I'm saying? So for sure. 
So yeah, I'm not quite sure what Brandon's role with the Warriors could be uh, going forward. I think he could be a third string point guard easily. Well, he Very can't easy. be. He literally can't be because Corey Joseph is there. Not right now. Not right guard. now. Not right now. I'm saying down the road. Down the road. Third string point guard. Because if that's what you're thinking of, third string point guard is his future with the Warriors. Then that's not really a future. Well, no. With to the start. Warriors. To start though. To start. Like obviously he's not going to be. When you say like start, like next year is what you mean? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So then I think he's talking good. About... I think he's really good. Okay. Like, yeah. You know? I, I'm expecting him to be more than that. Uh, oh, no. because... he'll be more than that. Yeah, yeah, he'll be more than that. But to start off, I think he'll start off in like a in like a lesser capacity. Yeah, and then eventually work his way up. You know, right, right. So it's the, like we'll have we'll have to see what that timeline will be, right? Because if he's not going to develop until like, you know, two three years later or something like this, that's another guy that Warriors don't need to have on their roster. Then, right? We're talking about guys who are going to be immediately ready to contribute in some way. Think about like Tyrese Halliburton, who came into right. the league as a uh, two-year college player. Same way, uh, same thing as Brandon. And he came in to play, like ready to contribute immediately, right away. Right? So that's the kind of you know thing the Warriors are looking for. Somebody who is ready, right? More ready than others. Not one year, not a one-year player, not a one-year project who has a lot to develop in terms of what right. he's good at, what he's not good at. Uh, and Brandon seems like, like we've been talking about, seems he just seems more ready, more polished in a lot of different ways, right? But again, what what is that role going to be with the Warriors? And if there isn't going to be a role for him, and it's tough to see because, you know, they have Gary Payton, they have Moses Moody, um, who yeah. are both guards. Uh, I know they like to list Gary at these other positions, small forward, power forward, and all these things. But ultimately, he's a 6'3 guy. He's 6'2, right? So uh, you have to limit the number of guys that are 6'2 that are going to be sharing the floor at the same time. You have C CP3, who's six foot. You have Curry, who's 6'2. You have GP2, GP2, who's 6'2. That's three guys who are under 6'3, all right? You can't yeah. add another guy who's like 6'3, 6'4, right? Uh, you can't add a Clay Thompson to that equation. That's what complicates, you know, having too many small guys who are really useful. And in the Warriors' case, you I just named three guys that are some of the most powerful players in the league, right? So how do you keep any of them off the floor at the same time? You know, it, it's matchup dependent. But at the end of the day, you like the most you can have on at the same time are three. I just named you those three: GP two, CP yeah. three, and Curry. So, I agree. where does where does a guy like Brandon fit into that equation? Where does a guy like Lester fit into the equation? It's really tough to this season. Out. They they don't they don't fit in this year, right? Um, but hopefully, I think their ta their talent is there, and yeah. I would hate to see that talent get wasted because imagine if Jordan Poole, like in twenty twenty two, was never realized. Like that would have been a shame. Because even yeah. though he struggled last year and wasn't really that good, uh, he turned it over a lot. He fouled a lot. He scored his 20-plus points per game, but he wasn't really all that effective. But in 2022, it was a much different story, and we would have never had that version of him if we had given up on him earlier, which yeah. I was actually in favor of. Like, right. in 21, when before he got sent to the G League, like, he was – he looked – he didn't even look like an NBA player. Yeah. But then they developed him in the G League. He was, you know – doing his thing, developing, getting better, getting those reps, shot attempts. 
And then he came back and he was actually a really good player for us. And then and then in 22 he just blossomed into a starter ca- starting caliber shooting guard and then he ended up being like winning us some games in the playoffs. So these things kind of happen happen quickly, sometimes by serendipity because it's not necessarily planned out. Sometimes, you know, Jordan may have never even been as good as he is if Clay didn't go down. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. So we so, don't know. So that's the um, biggest thing is that yeah. Jordan got an unusual opportunity with the Warriors because Clay was out. Not only was Clay out, Curry was out. So right. there was massive opportunity there for him to develop in a way that he otherwise probably would not have. Uh, and but that's the step, but that's where the Warriors are now. Clay is back. That's why Jordan had to go because it was no longer going to work out because of Clay's presence. And so, right. um, so that's a big thing that they have to again see how Clay looks next season. If he looks notably better than he was this past season, and it's going to be a challenge to figure that out. Um, just because Clay was nowhere near as bad um, in the regular season as he was in the playoffs, right? So it's not. Sure. So it's not like it's not like we have clear answers. And then the direction of again, this is it's a little confusing. Like I like I like Pod. And I, I like Lester too, but I, I don't I don't see any immediate role for them uh, anytime soon unless something happens with the trade, unless something happens with Clay, unless something happens, we get a definitive answer as to what's going to happen with Moody, right? Because Brandon and um, these other guards that you can think of for the Warriors, I mean, they're not going to be ahead of... Moses, I think I think Moses is. Yeah. How, how does this work? Like, is he gonna be the backup for Wiggins, or is he gonna be the backup for Clay? Moody. He'll be the backup ideal. for probably Clay. I right. Would say. So that would be the ideal scenario. We want him to be a backup two. Right. We don't want him to be a backup three, and we certainly don't want him to be a backup four. Right. Right. So they're gonna so, have yeah. to figure those those things there out. There you go. There's a major log jam at the two at the one and two positions for the Warriors now, right? So it, it's fun to talk about the potential of these new guys and what they could be for the Warriors. But in terms of their actual role going into next season, I don't see a whole lot unless injuries happen. Agreed, agreed. Um, let's let's uh, speak on the Dame thing. There was some like a rumor that you know, Dame might have been interested in joining the Warriors. Um, I think Ramon, Ramona Shelburne said that, and that that they would have been on the list had, you know, they had the ability to make a move for him. Um, like, speaking of misfits, which we kind of discussed, like, in the previous segment, but, like, you know, what do you think about that particular uh, news? And... And I'll just say really quickly, like to me, you know, he is a six three guard, right? He doesn't really defend well. Um, he's a great scorer, like we all know that, like 20, 27, 28 points per game. You give him his respect. I still think he's the second best point guard in the NBA behind Steph. You know, you hear the jaw noise and you hear like all the noise about, you know, all these other guards. Um, if you want to consider Luca a point guard, fine. Yeah, fine. Luca's the second best, but like Dame to me is at worst top three. 
but at the end of the day, he doesn't fill in the needs and fill in the gaps that we that we uh, that we have on this team. And I think he also, and this is the biggest thing, he's he's not in Chris Paul situation where I don't think he'd be receptive coming off the bench. And if we were to start him and start Clay at the three, shift Wiggins at the four, and then it would completely, um, you know. Uh, compromise the the integrity of of our positions like understand like rebounding and defensive versatility it would just completely shatter that so um obviously like it's cool the idea of it is like interesting because it's he is like an explosive scorer whatever but um when you went from a practicality standpoint i just don't see it like cp3 to me, was always going to be the better fit because he can come off the bench. He's a much better playmaker. Even though Dame's a very good playmaker, CP3 is definitely better, which is what we need. And CP3 is a better defender, and he does more of the intangibles. So, like, you know, obviously it's not ideal either way. You'd rather have a wing in in that you know salary slot of twenty eight thirty million, but. If you're gonna pick one of the two, I'd rather have CP3 just because of the the greater versatility and the the fit overall, just in shifting lineups and stuff. Whereas Dame, I just don't see him taking a lesser role. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But what do you think about you know just the news and the rumors overall? Mm. Okay, so you pretty much covered it uh, in terms of fit and uh, what the Warriors need. Um, in in that sense, it's silly. Uh, I've never, ever been a proponent or a believer in putting two dominant ball dominant guys on the same team together. It just there's too much compromising and there's too much sacrificing and it takes away from your best player uh, when you do these things. Uh, And then it has to be worth it. But from a positional standpoint, point guard obviously is the weakest defensive position. Number one, number two. You don't, unless you have a very uh, special circumstances, you don't want to start two point guards at the same time because it, it it just, the dynamics get really screwed up and you have a hard time figuring out, wait, okay, so how many possessions do we go with this guy versus this guy? This is a problem that the Warriors had in the beginning of Curry's career because Monte Ellis was on the roster. Yeah. Which one is the point guard? Which one is going to? Which one are we going to play through? Which one are, are we going to close with? Um, who and who's going to have the ball at the end of the game? Like these are just fundamental things. Right. This is why when you have a starter, a, a star, start uh, starting point guard on your team, and let's say you draft somebody who comes up and you can clearly see that they are a starter caliber player, uh, and it's like can these guys coexist? And usually if the guy behind the uh, starter is, shows starter potential, then that's going to be tough, right? Um, I remember I remember when a guy like Chris Paul uh, was, you know, playing, playing with somebody like Eric Bledsoe with the Clippers. And when Bledsoe was coming off the bench, they used to call him like mini LeBron just because of how athletic he was. and Strong, usually strong. Yeah. And CP, I remember he was just like, yeah, well, we're not going to be able to keep him uh, long term because you can see he's he's a starter. He's a starter in this league. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then they lost him. You know, it's the the Blazers, like they have similar issues. They have all these guards and it's like, is it mm-hmm. right to play them alongside a Dame who's, like you say, he's not really a defender. He never really has been. I would say that Chris Paul is probably a better defender than Lillard, uh, which says a lot. Um, at this point in Chris Paul's career, Chris Paul's always been a rock solid defender. Uh, at age 38, obviously not quite as solid as he used to be, right? So that's why, you know, at, at being age 38, that allows him to swallow his pride and come off the bench. At some point, you have to start coming off the bench. And when is that going to be for a lot of players? We don't know. Like LeBron is still starting, right? But you know, he's he's an exception to the rule. Most guys, I think John Stockton also, like, yeah, he started to until he retired, right? So he did. yeah, who knows, man? Who knows how that's going to shake out and play out? But and you know, I will say this about CP, right? Is even though he's not the same point of attack, like guarding up on his man, whatever. Phoenix tended to use him as like this uh, this team defender. Like they would have him in the corners, just like you know. And then they throw POA like Josh Okogie, whatever. Like my idea is is hopefully we can kind of hide CP3 the same way we kind of hide Steph. Not because we have to, but because it's just ideal. Like you don't. It just doesn't make sense to have CP playing point of attack every possession and then running the offense. Doesn't make Steph. Doesn't make sense for Steph to have him up there guarding, you know, perimeter players when you can just plug them in the corner and have them just, you know, chase or, you know, st- like if, it, if you're playing the Suns and you got Eric Gordon in the corner, CP can just stick on Gordon and you have Kaminga or you have Wiggins or you have GP2 just on the perimeter just doing their thing. And CP can be disruptive. He's aware. You know what I'm saying? Like there's that. Dame is not a – it's not like there's any part of his defense defensive game that's actually a positive. He's not great off the ball. He's not great on the ball. At least with CP, like he'll offer some resistance. So he's a little bit sneaky and crafty. So he can kind of understand angles and 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 outsmarting you, you know, baiting you into certain moves. And then kind of, you know, he led the league in steals like six times. I mean, that's that'll that won't go away. He'll always be kind of this, you know, this really good uh anticipator. Yeah. So there's stuff there. There's stuff there. And like you said, you know. If Dame was a better defender and if he was a better, you know, even rebounder, something that could have offered more to the table. But even then, he's 6'3", so it still compromises stuff. But it's just a tough fit. Let's put it this way. I I didn't even love the idea of, say, somebody like uh, Bradley Beal. Like, I... Right. I want wings as defenders. um, 100%. Yep. You know, back... uh, So... Chris Paul, he's still a better defender than Dame Lillard, no question about it, right? So Lillard, guys like this that don't defend, like this is exactly what why Jordan Poole needed to go because he could play the point guard position, but not the same way on the, on a team that has Steph Curry on it. And that, that would be the same for Lillard. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you got rid of one problem and you're bringing in another – problem that is completely probably unwilling to come off the bench like it doesn't make any sense uh so the idea that Lillard would somehow have been interested in the Warriors it sounds stupid to me like he's not stupid 
and like if he wanted to come to the Warriors, then it's like okay, well, like is he thinking that they're gonna trade Steph Curry then? Like you know, they're not gonna play, they're not gonna be able to play together at this juncture of their careers. They're still in the prime of their careers. Absolutely, still averaging um, like thirty. Speaking of Steph, uh, he he made that um that little goodbye video last night. <clears throat> to Jordan and welcoming CP, I, the, the trade kind of became official. So um, he kind of did that. And obviously he doesn't really do that for a lot of players. Usually he'll have like a post or like on a story and it'll be just like, thank you or, you know, whatever, just an inside joke or like, you know, whatever, like grateful. And he'll like tag them in a post, but he actually made a video, um, which is cool. Um, what are your thoughts on like, Steph and, and and not only just the video, but his role in facilitating possibly the move overall. Because we, you know, after game seven against the Kings, Shams releases an article about a speech, right? That Steph had made a speech to like that was supposedly directed at the younger group, Kaminga, um, Poole, Dante, whoever. And and then you hear noise and murmurs throughout the season and and there's like a lot of just stuff that is kind of, you know, floating around about, you know, whether Steph and Jordan and and not just them two, but Clay specifically, like Logan, Logan Murdoch spoke on this, talking about how Clay was uh, annoyed at Jordan because he was taking a lot of shots and his role. Uh, Draymond was trying to, you know, ha- have things, um, trying to repair the relationship and he was doing his best, trying everything he could. Right, and it's not as if Draymond's in a position to demand anything because he did punch him, but he was still putting in the effort, and Jordan was kind of rejecting and dismissing those efforts. But this is not me speculating. This is according to sources. And then um, Steph was trying to, you know, get the band together, get guys to, you know, be on the same page, and it just wasn't working, right? And this is all according to Logan Murdoch. You hear Logan speak on this. You hear others speak on this. Um I think earlier today, Jason Dumas mentioned on on 95.7 that Steve had some friction, that Jordan was not happy about his playing time and opportunity, and that there were some issues there. So this isn't coming out of thin air. Like People think I'm just saying stuff like, you got Logan Murdoch, you got Jason Dumas, you got Shams writing articles about speeches. I think um, Steph gave some quotes to Kawakami. You had... uh, uh, Marcus Thompson write articles after the season about Jordan Poole and his role and things of that nature. Who was the odd man out? You put the pieces together and you have a path and you can kind of draw fairly, you know, comfortable conclusions that Jordan maybe had, you know, some issues throughout the organization from players to coach. So, you know, what are your thoughts on not just the video itself, but like, Steph kind of pushing for the CP3 trade because you know CP3 and Steph have had a history, uh, not just on the court, but they have the North Carolina connection. They have you know the CP3 kind of took him under his wing when Steph was drafted. They have that you know uh, they have a longer connection, a deeper connection than we than we're led to to believe. So how much you know? I think Steph played a solid role in acquiring. Not just trading Jordan, but more so acquiring CP. So, what are your thoughts on that and his involvement overall? Mm, that's 
I mean, that's interesting. The notion that he had a like a heavy role in it. It might have just been like, this guy's available. Like, CP's available. Steph, are you, would you be okay if we got CP or something? And then mm-hmm. I could see Curry being like, yeah, hell yeah, we'll figure that. We'll figure out a way to work it out with CP. You know, CP's a legendary player. So, of course, like... Um, but obviously, probably with some level of assumption that he's going to do some level of sacrificing. So, uh, I don't like the whole like piling it on Jordan thing. Of like course he's not. gone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, he, he it is what it is. Like right. Yeah, it didn't work out. And we we didn't need reports to see that there were issues with the team, with the fit, with the way he has to, you know, playing these three guard lineups where. Like they're asking him to do things that he's not good at for the sake of just playing him some way or another. It's not really necessarily his fault that the coach couldn't figure out better combinations to work out the defensive situations. Or the front office couldn't get, you know, better personnel. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you have to put the blame on the proper people before you start blaming it on Jordan and saying like you know using him as a scapegoat talking about as I, I especially did not like the Rick Buecher report saying like blaming like oh Draymond tried to do everything possible to da 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 like right 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 okay but what about Dr- the fact that Draymond punched them and maybe a motherfucker like is not susceptible to forgiving a motherfucker who knocked him out right for the entire world to see how about that right but it's like okay well. Yeah, and they're trying to come up with these reasons like, yeah, but Draymond still tried to make things work and like he did all these things and like, like, okay, so what? He still punched the guy at the end of the day. Like, don't just don't just sweep that under the rug and make it seem like it was all Jordan's doing. You know what I'm saying? That's not cool. So I didn't like that, man. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't like things like that, man. Um, And yeah, they, they, you know, they, there were a lot of problems. And ultimately, yes, Steph Curry, he's if somebody goes on like is on the Warriors, he's always going to support them either way, no matter what. Uh, Chris Paul just happens to be that guy. You know what I'm saying? I feel like any any newcomer, Steph's always going to welcome them no matter who it is. So that just doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, So I I I don't I don't take much from, you know, his reactions to these things happening. Uh, they are a big move, so of course, like he he made a you know a unique separate thing for them, like a shout out. Well, that's about the extent of what I see in terms of you know how he feels about it. Hundred um, percent. I appreciate you uh, coming on again and and giving your thoughts, and uh, I appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, make sure to download the Odyssey app and and turn on uh, the auto download feature to get our episodes when they drop. Uh, see you guys next time.